Welcome to another episode of the Bleeding Metal Podcast. My name is Pia, she, her, and I'm here today with my dear partner. Hi, I'm Kiki, she, her. And we have a very special topic today um, that you might not expect us to talk about. <laughs> I remember we were talking to a gaming developer in the past who was really, really confused that you and I are obsessed with gaming also <laughs> besides of being oppressed with music uh, so kiki <laughs> what are you gaming right now right now nothing <laughs> <laughs> i know it's the worst i miss my gaming pc almost more than i miss my uh, partner in germany <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, um, don't tell me that. Um, no, as everybody from our listeners at least knows, I have been here in Ecuador, away from home since, well, in my other home, as I call it, uh, since November. And so I'm kind of taking a break from my uh, gaming PC and I, I do really miss it a lot. I tried a few phone games, but that just doesn't fill the void. <laughs> <laughs> You're no Candy Crusher. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> um, I uh, played Pokemon Arceus since it was it has been released. It's really cool. It's a mixture of Zelda, especially uh, when you talk about the graphics and stuff, um, and. Also, of course, Pokemon itself and Monster Hunter, because, yeah, it's a bit different from the original Pokemon and it's so much fun. And on my PlayStation 5, I started um, Jurassic World Evolutions Part 2, but um, I need a long period of concentration to to <laughs> to play it because it's um, you need to make strategic decisions and yeah I don't really have the time at the moment to do that so it is a bit on hold but I'm looking forward to continuing with this game <laughs> so yeah but we also have a special guest in this episode um, you might know her as Ot Nina on Twitter and Instagram but yeah hello Nina please introduce yourself to the listeners who don't know you yet oh hi I'm Nina she her and I'm oh gosh <laughs> I'm one of those people that actually do a lot of stuff with their free time like in my real life I'm a uh, graphic designer and web developer and My hobbies are too many to count <laughs> and too various to to like name them all. But um, apart from actually being very heavily into music um, since, I guess, forever and doing a little music stuff myself, singing in choir and uh, things like such, um, I'm also gaming a lot. 
and I'm streaming on Twitch. So that is something that I picked up while studying. (laughs) (laughs) That is something a lot of students do (laughs) because there's time for gaming. And I mean, I've always been a gamer um, pretty early on. Uh, the first the first introduction to it was like a uh, Nintendo Game Boy, and then it went on throughout uh, PlayStation 2. Um, went to PC, and now I've never looked back to anything else. Like, I own other consoles, but I really do like the PC gaming world. And um, apart from gaming, uh, music, and uh, web development, I do a lot of crafting and... Um, yeah, I'm. I love traveling, even though it's really hard right now, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty heavy into food. So there is a lot of stuff that we could touch on. <laughs> but I was told, like the most important part we're going to be talking about today is gaming, and that is actually something that I uh, enjoy a lot. I think lot. you're also a tea nerd. You yes. also had a podcast about tea, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I I enjoy I enjoy um, being a guest on podcasts a lot, and um, I have a friend here in Germany. His name is Dominic Hammers, and he's a tea nerd as much as I am, and he has a podcast or several podcasts, and one of them is uh, Radio Nukula, and uh, we made a, a tea cast for like over three hours once wow. and we were just talking about tea and <laughs> how easy and like how how nice tea also is and um how it shouldn't be how it should how people shouldn't be afraid of drinking real tea not only the stuff that comes in like little sachets and, and such mm-hmm. and um after after that we were showing how to use tea accessories mm-hmm. um on my stream and we're actually planning a new one, like a new tea stream, um, showing off a little new gadget that we bought on Kickstarter. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of tea in my life as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Damn, that is amazing. I am also a tea lover, but uh, I'm not sure I possess the knowledge to talk about it three and a half hours. <laughs> well, there is a lot. There is a lot to talk about if you're getting really nerdy. But the baseline is drink more tea because tea is so is so much more than just like in Germany they drink a lot of um herbal herbal teas Mm -hmm. like just like herbal stuff and there's so much more to the plant tea itself and then also to the whole culture and how people all over the world drink tea so I'm already getting started (laughs) (laughs) that's just switch topic (laughs) yes exactly just cut me off (laughs) because there's there's so much more and especially if you're like looking at different countries there's there's so much that I even don't know about uh, tea cultures and um I mean, in Europe, it's more British tea culture. In Germany, it's a lot of Ostfriesisch, also Friesland. And mm-hmm. then um, there's Russian tea culture also. And ah, it's just, there is a whole world out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, that is so true. What people who drink coffee most of the time, like me, know at least about tea is that also Japan has a very special tea culture. Yes. Yes, they do. And um, <clears throat> most of the tea plants that we get is actually from Asia. Um, and, uh, it's a huge business there as well. Uh, Asia and India. Yeah. They, they deliver most of the tea. It's actually a very, very colonized thing. Uh, the British brought a lot of tea and, uh, yeah. Colonization did that. 
So that is something that one has to reflect about as well if drinking tea um, <laughs> to get to know where where like the root of it all is and why it got to Europe and how it evolved and stuff like that. So there's a lot of history as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's why you could talk about it for hours. <laughs> I can see that now. That's yeah. important with everything, I think, because you don't have to to stop doing stuff because of its history, but at least you should have respect and the knowledge about, yeah, for example, yeah. tea. <laughs> exactly. And it's totally, the same with yes. coffee, right? There is mm -hmm. like huge coffee plantations um, all over the world. And uh, it's the same with chocolate as well. We won't be stopping like to, to just consume chocolate anytime soon, I guess. So one has to at least recognize where it's from, what its origins are. And if the people are paid well, that actually like produce the co uh, cocoa beans and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so much, which means you can be a woke tea drinker. That is amazing. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. There's different levels probably of wokeness. Right? You, can, you can start with just getting to know loose leaf tea. And from then on, there's no stopping. <laughs> you can get into it pretty hard. <laughs> Hell yes, that is actually something that is pretty new here in Ecuador. Um, I've been seeing like more and more loose teas and infusers and that is just so awesome. And uh, to what you were just saying about colonization, um, I guess the few or, or maybe one of the few things that I am grateful for about colonization is tea now and the fact that I speak Spanish <laughs> I mean, um, yes yeah. yes 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 so before we go on to other topics mm -hmm. um what's your favorite tea oh that's a harsh one to answer because An there are later. so many good ones <laughs> yes <laughs> now we've slipped <laughs> now it's not gonna stop um I do enjoy oolong a lot which is like um one of those oxidization periods between green and black tea. Uh, tea is always the same plant. And the longer you let it oxidize, the darker and the, the more flavor it, um, it develops throughout time. So you start with green, go through oolong, and then there's black tea. So I do enjoy all of them, but I like black and oolong the most, even though there are some really good green ones, um, especially from Japan. But oh, those are summer teas usually. And Hamburg is a really windy and rainy city. So <laughs> when, when there's summer, I do enjoy green, but usually it's oolong and black tea. Yeah, all gray is an all-time favorite, by the way. Ooh, hell yeah. Okay, so let's come back to the topic, <laughs> to What? the original topic What? of this podcast. <laughs> Why am I here? What are we talking about? <laughs> I was going to make a pretty nice uh, segue over there that like, you know, the, the gray weather is actually just makes the perfect atmosphere to be closed up in your room and start gaming all day long. Exactly. <laughs> With a big, huge mug of warm tea. That is actually something that I tell my yes. uh, followers to bring along whenever we start a stream. I tell them, go get yourself a cup of tea because we're going to be sitting together. And uh, that is something that one can do together as well, drinking tea. That is just a cultural mm -hmm. thing. So I always um, advise them to get their tea, get ready, and then we go hop on a game <laughs> online. 
Perfect. So we'll hop on. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Okay. Gaming right now. Um, yeah, I think it's a really good start. Also, Kiki, if we would tell our listeners how we uh, started gaming. So what was your first game game platform game game? <laughs> how did Damn. you start? Um, the thing is, I grew up in a household where video games were not really a good thing, I guess. So uh, I remember on the first uh, Mac computer my dad bought. So I do remember us having some educational games and that kind of thing, but nothing like uh, that was too much fun. <laughs> well, I mean, they were fun, but uh, nothing uh, famous or, or anything. And then I remember uh, my cousin got an emulator uh, for his PC. So we had like console games on PC when we were uh, little and we would like visit my cousin all through our vacation times uh, when the time of school and and we would play Bomberman and uh, that's the one I remember the most. <laughs> <laughs> Or when we would visit friends that had consoles, we would try uh, Crash Bandicoot and stuff like that. I have those memories and I also have the memories that, um, or I know that Because I never grew up with a console, I never learned to use a controller. So those things are the bane of my existence. But otherwise, <laughs> um, when I was, I think, uh, 17, 16, 17, we got a PC at home as well. And so I uh, could install games as well. And I remember loving Counter-Strike. And uh, we would go, we had a group of friends and we would go to internet cafes and play. <laughs> and that was amazing. But it was, gaming was never like a huge part of my, of my life up until 2015 when I was unemployed and had a lot of time. And my uh, husband had, a, you know, he had been on Twitch for a while, you know, as a viewer. And he was like, you could do this and, you know, uh, spend time there and I can teach you some games. And then, so I started playing Hearthstone and streaming and it was a lot of fun. Um, and after that, I kind of uh, quit the whole thing for a while because I started uh, getting my social media management certification and uh, things and started working freelance and didn't have the time. But with the pandemic, that gave me a lot of time to start again. Mm -hmm. And I found, uh, well, first before the pandemic even I started playing Witcher 3 and then I went back to uh, no I found Destiny 2 and people to play with and I got into a clan and thought oh I could go back to streaming again as well and so I did and that brought on like a whole new phase uh, with lots of gaming lots of uh, friends and meeting new people through Twitch and through games and uh, That's why I miss it so much because just before, right before I came here, I was streaming like four to five times a week. That's a and lot. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, spending time with people. Yeah. I mean, I don't only game on stream. We also read books. <laughs> Or so I read cool. books. It is. It is a lot of fun because I get to like share my, my favorite books uh, with my friends and they, you know, make questions and um, we laugh when I mess up words and that's fun. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now while I'm, while I'm here, just so that I can uh, still hang out with them. But yeah, that's, that's my whole history with, uh, with gaming. I'm still not very good at it, but I enjoy it a lot, especially uh, multiplayer games when I, and, and co-op games where I can just, um, you know, 
uh, share those those fun times with other people. Mm, that's most yeah. important. <laughs> oh yes. What about you? I started gaming when I was pretty young. We had a computer at home, a Windows 95, I think, so very old. <laughs> and I played these MS-DOS games like Cosmo and Magic and how was the other one called? Kellogg's, Iceman. So there were some games that we had on these small plastic things that we had before there were CDs, <laughs> the discs. Um, and now my you can hear my cat in the background <laughs> that's generally that's a good thing cats in the background yes. yeah <laughs> um and then i was on holidays with my parents in spain and um my father bought me a game boy with tetris and um some other games so there were four games a tennis game and tetris and i don't know something else um, and then he bought Zelda, Link's Awakening. <laughs> Best! <laughs> yes. And um, I actually started to play this with my mom together. So there were enemies that she couldn't defeat and some that I were not able to defeat. And so, yeah, we started actually playing this together. So I think I, I talk a lot about my mom in this podcast because she's an awesome <laughs> person. <and laughs> she's also into gaming now. Um, and, Hell um, yeah. And then my father bought uh, Super Nintendo and also with Zelda A Link to the Past and with Super Mario. And I played that a lot. And then, yeah, it continued with PlayStation 2 and also games on the PC. Um, when I was a bit older, around 16, I also went to some network parties. Um, and I, what I played the most i think is diablo 2 <laughs> i spent hours mm -hmm. and hours in this one and i also enjoyed the third part that was released in 2016 15, no before 13 14 i don't know something like that so oh gosh um, that's so long ago right yes <laughs> oh i remember that <laughs> yeah now i'm feeling old thanks thanks, thanks. Oh, you're welcome <laughs> nice and, and the funny thing is uh, last year or the year before i think 2019 they released a remake of um two mm -hmm. a link to the past on mm -hmm. nintendo switch and i started playing that one with my mom again so <laughs> that's so nice so yeah. we went back to the beginning kind of <laughs> but that is like such a treasure to have um, a video game connection within your family mm -hmm. um, I think video games have have evolved to something that you do alone on your uh, computer with your friends on the internet and back then especially with consoles there was much more bigger communities that you brought home like LAN parties were one thing that we did in Germany I never participated because I didn't have a PC but um, my friends did and then with consoles uh, at least with the Nintendo 64 <laughs> and 64 that's the, that's the name right <laughs> um, we had like four controllers and we could play Mario Kart together mm -hmm. and that was like the biggest thing having your own controller and going to your neighbor and playing together. That yes. was like this huge, this huge adventure that you could do together. And I really, really liked um, those real life connections throughout games, just like we had with board games. 
but um, that changed a lot. It did not for the worst. I, I don't mean that in the negative sense, but it changed somehow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, gaming, many people, when they think about gaming and they are not into gaming, they think there is this guy in the cellar room, in a very dark room, all alone, antisocial and everything. But I think it has never been like this because, as you just said, we play together with our friends on the same console. We can now play together on the internet. Also, gaming helped some people during the pandemic to to stay sane and to keep in touch with people. And also what Kiki just said, and I think, Nina, you can relate to that. Um, when you stream what you're gaming on Twitch or Hitbox or wherever, I, I don't know if Hitbox exists anymore. <laughs> they don't. They don't. It's over. <laughs> they don't. Okay. <laughs> But um, then you also connect with the people who are watching and um, participating in the chat. So I, I know that Kiki has a lot of friendships um, that came through this streaming and I, you also have a lot of followers um, who also watch you. So yeah, please yeah. tell us a bit about that, uh, the, the connection that you have through gaming with other people. Um, I think it evolved throughout the time when I was heavily starting. And um, also, as you just said, uh, that name Hitbox, um, I switched platforms throughout the time um, in search of fame and fortune, as you would say. Um, there was like this, uh, this thought of, okay, maybe gaming can be something that I would do for money. So um, that was a, there was a time span when one would, um, not only me, like others as well, move from platform to platform to get more attention and to get more connection. And um, I think that when I went to Hitbox, that was the first time that a community that was really big invaded my stream throughout another streamer. And um, I ex experienced what it means to have like a chat full of people. I think they were around 900 people from his 1000 people stream. And um, they were, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a lot. It, it hit wow. me like a wall. <laughs> I was just playing Battlefield as we all were, uh, Battlefield 4, which was a great shooter. I really enjoyed that time. And we were playing on um, servers of friends and stuff like that. So we had like this little core community that knew me fairly well. And then this huge mass of people came over, and that's years ago. And uh, that was the first time I was hit with the job of streaming and how you have to pay attention to a lot of uh, things at the same time. We had a huge amount of fun, no questions asked, but also I forgot to drink and eat <laughs> because it was just so much stress <laughs> to, yeah. to, to have the thought of entertaining people. So that was like the first big hit of being a streamer. And then after that, it was on up to me to build a community, a community that not only um, paid money for subscriptions, but also was able to sustain itself and be a support for me as a streamer. And throughout the years, this community changed a lot, but what's really interesting is that there are still some people that watched me back at Hitbox. Hitbox went down at some point and then we all went back to Twitch. And um, they even then they still came with me and they still are, some of them are still watching today. So um, community is not only about having someone to 
or a streaming community is not only about having enough people for them to sub and hype each other up with money, but also for the people that actually care about the person streaming and that care about the entertainment they're getting. And um, that can also become friends throughout several uh, different connections. Like I have, I have uh, people that found me through Twitch that watched me for months that then later became actual friends of my real life. And they're usually the ones that have a whole, like they get not, they get to know Nina, the Nina, not the odd Nina they watched, but Nina me. <laughs> and mm -hmm. that is something that um, they recognize that is a different person. So you're not only having like this, you're, you're having this reputation that you have to keep up as a streamer and that you have to keep, uh, have to have to have a distance to streaming because it's a very, it's also a very emotional job to do this and it's draining. And it's, um, there's this uh, conversation about burnout right now in um, YouTube Germany, as well as it was in America too. And with streaming, it's actually a really similar thing. Like you can get really into it and rely on numbers And so you have to have like this distance, but as soon as uh, you have a community that is able to support you and not give you the feeling of uh, being alone, if you're not there all the time, then you've hit gold, in my opinion. Like, even though I have less time because I'm working a full-time job, I have less time streaming. I try to find a new way to still be there and still be active as a streamer, but not to drain all my energy into it and people still watch me so those are those ones are the mvp as you would say <laughs> and i think a community is as individual as the streamer who is entertaining them is and um, there can be a lot of nuances and also a lot of differences like i'm pretty close with my community i've even had some fly into a community meetup in Hamburg from Switzerland. Like a person actually, <laughs> a person actually flew to Hamburg just for wow. that. They wanted to <laughs> That's meet, cool. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to meet me and also the community they were spending actual time with that was before the pandemic, but it's still such a, such a connecting thing. And it's not only the games, but also, um, Yeah, also the people that watch the streams, which is a not at all um, anti-social thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That's my experience. I love my community. I love them. <laughs> I have out. to say such things. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> no, they know that. <laughs> they know. Um, yes. That also brings kind of responsibility, having such a big audience of, Yeah, uh, 3,000 people who were actually watching you gaming and some of them, yeah, still are in your community. I think you also have 3,000 something followers on Instagram and I don't know how many you have on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 5,000 and 5,000 on Twitch. And yes, there is a lot of people who have access to or who want access to what I'm putting on the internet. And yes, there is a lot of responsibility in that, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And what I also saw um, throughout the years, because I also <laughs> followed you on several platforms. <laughs> I don't mind. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you. It's just a bit of a Star Crush moment for me right now. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I am Aww. trying not to mess it up now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you also 
cover very important topics like also racism and you also talk about sexism a lot and I think you also mm -hmm. held presentations about this. Um, I saw a video where you were in front of a an audience with very young people. So yes, yeah, please tell us a bit about <laughs> how how come you did this? Um, where did the opportunity come from? And yeah, yeah, what why are these topics so important to you? Because for us, they are also very important. Yeah, um, sure. There's so many layers to the story, right? Okay, let's yeah. start somewhere. <laughs> um, I've always been um, I've always been someone who has a very strong opinion about what is right and wrong. Um, I think that's within like that's something that I inherited from my mother, and um, for me, um, being able to evolve in a very open community and bubble, as I would say it on Twitter, I gained access to thoughts and other people who shifted my worldview within the last, I'd say, 10 years, probably. And um, gaming also opened my eyes, especially gaming um, in games that were very popular with a cis male audience, as you would say, um, opened my eyes to a lot of structural problems. And the more I played Rainbow Six Siege, the more I got, <laughs> I got to know how ugly people can be mm -hmm. when they perceive you not to be enough or worthy to be in their personal space. And um, when I recognized those problems and found names for it and found ways to express that and found other people who were teaching me on the internet about those problems, I uh, was starting to get more more involved and loud um, because I thought it wasn't right because like I was enjoying those games and I was having actual a lot of fun but those people that thought that I didn't belong were trying to steal that from me and uh, that's when I got a little mad and that's when the first times like we were <clears throat> talking on stream about especially like female problems within the gaming space because I'm not the only um, person diverse person that is on the internet playing those games and I got to know that most of uh, especially cis female people gaming in those spaces are trying to hide themselves behind an uh, anonymous no. anonymous word they're trying to hide behind <laughs> <laughs> neutral avatars and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i thought that wasn't right and during that time a friend from way back uh, who i got to know 2014 for the republica 14 back then he was uh he was like hey nina i'm still working for that dude um who does the republica and he has a project called tincon And uh, would you like, like, I'm, you're the only gamer that I know. And would you like to do this talk about gaming for the TinCon? And I uh, stupidly said, not stupidly, but back then, unknowingly said yes. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> got in contact with the uh, organizing team. And they we were talking about what we could do and how gaming is important. And uh, I remember them saying, hey, why don't you just talk about shooters? Because our our audience is really young. There's a lot of teenagers. And I was like, yeah, sure, I can start swearing as well because that's easier to get their attention then. And what I didn't, <laughs> or I knew that they were going to record this, but I didn't know how 
big of a thing the TinCon actually was. Like, I just didn't know. <laughs> and then um, when I came there, I went backstage. They gave me this little bracelet that I still have. <laughs> and then um, I was led behind the back to the biggest room at Kampnagel in Hamburg. And I've never been there. Like, I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. They pushed me, like, out and said, that's your audience. Go ahead. And I was standing like this little person. I felt like this little person in front of this whole crowd of young people talking about a topic that they know by heart because that's what some of their like compassion is about like, and, and also their like passions in, in general. And then talking about the problem that they probably have never faced mm -hmm. ever and they've never reflected for themselves ever. Um, And that was that was the start. That was the beginning of me talking about structural pro uh, problems in gaming, um, on the topic of diversity, especially. Like I started with binary female against male stuff, and now it's more about diversity in general in video games, not only within the gaming space and community, but also within games themselves, and how how aware we have to be of them, and where people are not paying enough attention, basically. Yeah. That was a pretty wild ride. It still is because I'm still, I'm still allowed to do that. And I'm um, always humbled when someone asks me to talk about those topics. And even though I'm always baffled by that, I'm still doing this. Like, this is the thing, right? People are always saying like, it's 2021 or two. Um, we are yeah. still talking about this, Nina. Mm -hmm. Why don't you? Why don't you just shut up? No, we have to talk about it. I will not stop talking about this um, until I have the feeling that things for diverse people younger than we are have changed. Yeah. Because I'm not going to experience the change by heart. It's going to be the generations that come after. They're going to be the ones that profit from this and. Maybe that's going to be my children someday. I don't have any yet, <laughs> but if if I if I think about having children, I want them to be able to live in a safer and better world for for them. And um, since I know that gaming will be a part of their life, probably I want them to have a better experience than I did. And that's what basically my whole motivation is about and even if it's not my own children even if it's like the children of my friends <laughs> then it's fine <laughs> hey, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's so important because as you just said we still have a long way to go until it's not only men and women not only mm -hmm. women have to be on the same level as men there are so many other people that we also have to think about and that was For me, that was something that I had to learn because as a white woman, I'm in a very privileged position as well. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But there are so many fights that have to be fought and um, and I hope that we can do this together. I have the impression through the internet, we grow more and more together and um, we can, yeah, we can just <laughs> stand up for each other <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. And I think also the gaming scene itself uh, is something where... Also, people who are not accepted so well in the environment can find a safe space for for themselves. So, and, but on on the other hand, that's something 
I think that is kind of similar to the metal scene. We can talk about mm -hmm. that a bit later. Um, yes. That um, in the same moment, there are so many people who also might not accept you because as you experience, because you are a woman and that's the only thing why they think you're not worth being there <laughs> and play yes, yes. shooters on the internet or something. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're, of course, bio, um, in, in your biology, you're not you're not able to as well. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's like, that's like, because, you need a penis to play yes, a exactly. video game. <laughs> because I need a penis to, to, to play a video game. You can't that use is... the joystick without a penis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Pick on her head. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. That's, that's very graphic all of a sudden. <laughs> yes. That is, that is something, oh that is something that's coming up quite frequently. And also, um, just as you said, as a white woman in this, space um that is like the lucky thing to be one have the privilege to be heard and then also the bad thing because a lot of people in the diverse diverse uh, space and the um, diverse ethnicity space don't have that privilege and they're generally not heard as much as you are um your, yourself and to realize that is another bitter pill to swallow actually the whole race issue in general for me is a very slippery slope because people who have never seen me don't know but I'm really tall I'm light-haired and I have blue eyes and that is generally something that gives me respect out of nothing like I've, not, I've done nothing for that and yeah I can relate I'm also yes. <laughs> very tall <laughs> <laughs> yes there's like it's it's this thing it's the thing about um the perception and how people how if you are like that, if you have that much privilege, you're almost obliged to at least recognize that privilege and use it for the benefit of the people who don't have it. And for me, that is like one of the things that, especially in gaming, is often overlooked. There are so many very, very famous games and depictions of people in games, not only in games, but also in movies. Oh my God. But there is like this a huge space um, where... It's getting better with um, representation, but also it's getting worse at the same time. And it feels like a rift and that we have to fight for that. And there is so much that we still have to do and we have to be careful about not hurting others. And that's why um, diverse or intersectional feminism is so important as well. Um, and the gaming space is not yet ready for that. <laughs> Like there's a, like parts of the gaming space, right? Um, my husband is playing a World War II shooter and he has a clan. He was just raging like yesterday or the day before yesterday about how the how some of the players in his clan were not nice to women in general. And when I hear him say that, I'm proud that he's gone further in his train of thought. But it also shows that there are parts of the gaming space that are still this boys club that is like keeping mm -hmm. this, this, their fences up. And, um, as a woman or as a female red person or female, um, socialized person, you would have to do so much work in order to break through to them. And having the privilege of being heard is something that helps, but it makes it so much harder for other diverse people. And um, that is something that we have to always remember that just because there is a huge part of the gaming sphere that is very open to 
um, all of this beautiful diversity and colorful um, universe that we can create together. But there's also those dark spaces and we shouldn't forget about them just because we get like too excited about the, the, the fun part of where everything is basically good and where we can create our own worlds and where indie games just make up like this whole new space of, of, of games and, and creativity and also industry possibilities. Um, we shouldn't forget about those who still make it a very hard fight to fight. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to your husband because unfortunately uh, people listen more to a white man than they listen to a white woman. Yes. So it's yes, very yeah. important um, for for us, for white people to stand up for people who are not, who don't have white skin color, because yeah, we are just a bit more privileged and, or we are sometimes very a bit much more, more privileged. Nah. <laughs> and um, people, what? <laughs> people listen to us or um, believe us more, unfortunately, when yeah. we say something. So yeah, we have to stand up and it's very important that men stand up for feminism and yeah. That's why I want to give it a shout is. out to your husband. Thank you. I know that he'll feel honored, but there's also a lot of more work to do. Yes. <laughs> so much. Um, wow, you opened up so many, so many topics with all of that. Gosh, so sorry. <laughs> We can make this That a two-hour thing. <laughs> Would you want to join our podcast for the next uh, 10 episodes? Oh, <laughs> gosh. <laughs> And then we'll have a time to discuss tea as well. <laughs> yes, tea! <laughs> uh, but one of the things that uh, came to mind um, really early as well in what you were saying was the part about uh, visibility, I think, is, is a very important thing because uh, female gamers are not... A, it's not just a few of us. And... Yeah. Um, Yeah, and, and of course, uh, more so looking into the, the more uh, intersectional uh, part of the conversation, there are also a lot of trans women gaming out there yes. and, uh, and non-binary people, etc. Um, so there is a huge community which um, has also... I'm thinking about Twitch right now and using mm -hmm. the LGBTQ plus uh, tag, mm -hmm. how that can be a great thing to do because you can find communities easier like that. Mm -hmm. And it also uh, at some point put a target on streamers yes. and uh, made them really vulnerable to troll attacks. And uh, that's just not nice. And I don't have uh, numbers on... Um, on diverse communities mm -hmm. in gaming, but I do have statistics on uh, women in video games. Mm -hmm. And uh, the game Hers is a really cool Instagram account. Uh, well, apparently it's, well, it's a whole community of um, diverse female uh, gamers out there uh, that have united. And I strongly advise all of you to follow the game Hers on Instagram. And in July, 2020, so it's almost two years now, but they posted this uh, statistic that 46% of video gamers are women. And mm -hmm. that is a fucking lot. Yes, so yes. it's not like we perceive the gaming community to be a very male-dominated field yes. because that huge percentage of women is just not visible enough. Yeah. But it's actually not like we are new to this or 
or, or it's a minority inside the community, not at all. And I'm just uh, pulling up a Forbes article from a year ago almost. And um, it says that in 2020, women accounted for nearly 41% of all gamers in the United States. And in Asia, it's 48%. Yes, it's almost half, just as the society is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And um, they also say that female gamers are on the rise, which yes. reminds me as well of another statistic. Um, and then we, and, and this is a, a connection to metal as well. Um, and I think I don't have the exact numbers on that, but I do remember uh, a lot of statistics saying that uh, women are the ones that are buying the most guitars in the recent years. So, um, yeah, all of that is, is, is becoming visible right now. Mm -hmm. And coming back to, to the Forbes article on gaming right now, that I, which I will link in the description of the podcast. A 2020 study of the top 14 global gaming companies reveals that 84% of executive positions in the gaming industry are held by men. Yes. And only 24% of those working in the industry are women. So... Even though almost half of gamers are women, mm. the game makers are the ones that are mostly men. And I dare to say, very probably cis white men. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that is also uh, what, what is probably changing and, and needs to change more because obviously female perspectives and, and, and uh, non-binary perspectives and diverse perspectives bring so much richness to the whole world of, well, everything, yeah. but uh, in video games especially, because there are so, uh, even, we also know this from the world in general, but the, the, the world, the structures, the cars, the infrastructure, everything has been tested actually for male bodies. So it's really uh, sometimes even dangerous um to drive a car as a woman for example and uh, it's or it's yeah it's dangerous it's way less safe and uh that reminds me of that reminds me of and i'm not sure this has to do anything <laughs> with my um with my female biology you know but like uh i get motion sickness a lot Ooh. from games like phasmophobia and sea of thieves mm -hmm. and um well i'm this is all so speculation, but <laughs> you feel <laughs> I like have the feeling done more. <laughs> yes, I have the feeling yes, that yes. maybe if more women were involved in game development, yeah. all of these issues would be less and less. Um, I do want to mention as well, though, that I do for like Pride Month, for example, and also because I am a, a, a bisexual woman, I do try to look for video games that include all of these uh, diversities um, and diverse identities into their games and tell me why uh, is a really beautiful story uh, story driven game and um, that includes uh, as protagonists both a woman and a trans man so that is it's it's a story full of trauma but it's just it's just really beautifully made and, and really nicely told so I um, recommend playing that a lot. And yes, uh, the latest Life is Strange is, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, also um, uh, has an LGBTQ protagonist. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to play that so much. Um, and that is also, I think, 
uh, a thing that we should do as gamers, as streamers, um, as part of this community in general, just not only to be respectful towards uh, everybody's identities, but which should obviously be, you know, uh, like common sense, but apparently you have to still say that sometimes. Exactly, in 2022 now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know, in chats and in communities yes. Yes. and also, uh, but also make this conscious effort to look for the the games that need, that need visibility or the community members that yeah. need uh, the, you know, the support to yeah. be more visible. And yeah, we should just be more consciously supportive of all of these people whose voices voices need to be louder as you were just saying as well yeah. <clears throat> there is this thing about also being able to critique the very famous games uh, as well um i right now i'm trying to play story driven games a lot or little calm games that don't stress me out too much but in general i was playing uh, cyberpunk for uh, cyber yeah the new cyberpunk that is not even that new anymore. But yeah, I was playing cyberpunk with my community and there's a lot of sex uh, sexualization within the game. And there's a lot of um, very critical and critique worthy topics within this game that is supposed to be like this. Like there is this uh, huge mass of controversy that was uh, supposed to be part of the game to make it the game world that it is just like with uh, Witcher. Um, I really dig that fantasy lore and that's a whole new bag of problems within the gaming philosophy as well but um when you play or when i play these kinds of games i tend to open up a conversation about problems within those games about the problems that you experience as a gamer within the gaming story that there is and i really loved how at the beginning of um cyberpunk you were able to either choose your private parts or you could leave it open and they would just assign you one and some that didn't pay attention chose a very male physique and then had had a vagina <laughs> or none <laughs> like no no parts i don't think that was a, a, a way but um they recognized that something was not right and then they went up and said, can we change that afterwards? Which made up this huge discussion about how this is teaching people how it is to feel a certain gender yes. and then not having the right body to go with what you expect it to be. Mm -hmm. And that then wanting to change that. So even though there's a lot of uh, stuff that you can critique on cyberpunk, that was something that I enjoyed at the beginning of the game. How mad, how mad people got when they saw that they didn't have or did have a body part or organ that they were expecting because they thought it was just something that they were going to get anyways when they chose like the very muscular male physique. They thought, yeah, well, now I'm going to get the junk and they didn't <laughs> i really like that because it opens up the discussion on another level and it gives people who actually want to think about that gives them the opportunity to maybe reflect on their own views on that and then open up the discussion about um, transgender uh, humans in general and i think that was really that was a good thing of cyberpunk to do I actually didn't choose totally. um, body parts as well. And 
they matched my V the way, so I didn't complain, but others had to be loud about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. And, is. and I love how you, uh, I, I totally missed out on that conversation. And um, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really important one to have. But also it gives me this mixed feelings. This whole mm -hmm. um, thinking or imagining worlds mm -hmm. in general, but especially for video games that are so engaging, uh, gives me uh, a two-sided thing. Because on the one hand, it, it is really important for all of those games to have all of these uh, socially critical points mm -hmm. and statements. Mm -hmm like that and open up these conversations if people are paying attention in yes. order to reflect on those topics yes. Yes. and or if let's say children or teens are being accompanied by uh by you know woke adults enough to have those conversations mm -hmm. and be educated from the beginning that would be optimal yes right but i don't think that happens enough and on the other side i also think if you're gonna imagine a world a fictional world that is completely far away from this fucked up planet we live on <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't you imagine a world without racism and without misogyny like yes why not <laughs> because <laughs> <a> fucking utopia <laughs> <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, you can, you can, you can. Um, but for people, it is often, I think, I think for people, it is often easier to relate to worlds and systems and things that they know. And then there's also, especially in gaming and especially in AAA t uh, titles, there's always this thing called capitalism and money. And um, yeah, the world shows us that the more you confirm to those kind of things and topics that are liked and topics that are for the uh, for the people that you do the game for, which is like the mainstream, um, then you will make money and people do have to earn money. <laughs> Sadly, it is like that, which is why there are so many good game ideas in indie games and also in universities. So looking at indie games and indie developers and also looking at people in universities is a huge and awesome thing. Like whenever I'm able to uh, work for The Play, which is this creative gaming festival in Hamburg, I'm always astonished by how, how much passion there is for games beside the ones that have always worked. And... Um, that still tackle our worldview, but imagine a whole different storyline and how you can like be creative and work with that. And then also being diverse and making the person who plays think about what they're playing. Yeah. This war of mine, wasn't there? This was like one of the games that um, gave the opportunity to think about not only your safe little haven, but also about what other people might experience um, far from your own vicinity. There's more games than that that can do that. And it's uh, not only AAA titles that do that. So there are people trying to, but it's not enough money yet. <laughs> They're not making enough money, which is exactly why we have to pick out those games and bring them to stream, talk about what is good in them and um, bring them on the, like, on the table of conversation for others as well. Hell yeah. 
all of that, what you said, and, and, and you are totally right, um, Mina, I think it just comes to show how we, what we create mm -hmm. is shaped by our worldviews, mm -hmm. which makes it so important for all of us to open those up and to broaden our horizons and, uh, and see the world from other perspectives. Mm -hmm. And that is so, something just super, super important. And I think a really good way to do that is traveling, of course. And we were talking about yes. the, at the, or you were talking about at the beginning, at the very beginning of the podcast, um, Through traveling, you get to experience other cultures and mm -hmm. see life from different perspectives or through different lenses, like very real. It is yes. very, very real. You get to live all those things. You get to live, I don't know, the insecurity of uh, poorer countries yes. or, um, you know, the, the discrimination that, that people go through, etc. Yeah. But it is also very important, especially now in times where traveling is not that easy, to listen to those voices, to mm -hmm. seek out uh, podcasts, YouTube channels, uh, Twitch, Twitch stream channels from people who are not directly in your bubble, who people yeah. from people who don't exactly look like you, from people who have just different uh, human experiences and listen to them and to what their life is like yeah. and discuss with them. Um, I also have to... Uh, make a huge uh, or do a huge shout out and and a short appreciation uh, post for uh, for my community who's who is always uh, open super open to my talks about feminism and who feels safe enough to pose the questions that yeah. they would usually be shamed for and you know if they just don't understand things i uh, have or I try to stay calm and be patient enough to explain things. And, yeah. and because I, I, I like the people in my community, I do that with, you know, with love as well, because I do want them to, to see the things from my perspective and to know how things are here in Ecuador and, yeah. and all of those things. And so I, I really appreciate the openness that they bring. Yeah. And they're just open to learn about all of this. And that is something that I think we should all have because we always we can always learn something new. Exactly what you're saying. Also, more bigger streamers with a bigger audience as um, others should pick out, especially those people that are working for diversity, are working for a better and um, more diverse and intersectional uh, community and give them a spotlight as well. That is something that we're missing, which is also part of uh, the structure that is streaming right now, especially for those who are um, making like their daily money with it. Um, there should be at least a space somehow where they point out people that have a lot more to talk about that need to be listened to because their view is such is so different from all the others. It's just like with, I was just ranting about podcasts this morning to a friend. And I was like, there's just like those two crime podcasts. Love them. Love them really dearly. But she was uh, critiquing um, the way that true crime podcasts benefit of uh, the bad life stories of others um, and sometimes are not respectable of the stories and the victims of those uh, things that happen there. And then I said, well, having two females talk about 
crime is the exact same thing as having two or three white dudes talking about movies or nerd stuff. Um, it's the it's it it's the way they talk about it and what who who they give their voice to in those formats. Like that is something that we just have to deal with. People will watch the stuff that they're used to, and those people have to recognize the privilege that they're in, all the attention that they're giving, and they have to be able to recognize that they have that they can also share this whole range of uh, attention without losing anything but gaining a better perspective as well and that is true with podcasts and that is true with uh, gaming and that's also true with music <laughs> <laughs> yes we were going yeah. to towards another topic <laughs> and before we go oh my gosh <laughs> i'm so sorry i have to take a step back again but you were talking about my favorite murder weren't you um yes also but there is a lot of uh, german um podcasts as well with uh, two females talking about crime. I listened to My Favorite oh, wow. Murder um, before. I stopped at some point because I wasn't interested anymore, but there's one that is called Mordlust uh, in Germany. And those are an example of um, a, a very, a very uh, well-researched kind of podcasts about true crime. And even though they're trying to loosen up somehow during their topics there is also like to, uh, respect to be felt which is not something that you can see throughout the whole german true crime podcast i don't scenery it's always the way or it's always how people talk about it and my favorite murder i listened to them years ago now oh my god it's long past but yeah they're they're also uh I think I fell out of love with them because I didn't like the way they were talking about crime anymore. I like the fact that they always um, emphasize on mental health and yes. its importance. Yes. So um, I, I do like that. And uh, I, I also skip the, the, the longer ones, yeah. <laughs> but the ones where, where they read the emails are, are really fun. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, podcast recommendation. Yeah. And um, going towards towards uh, our comparison um, between metal, the metal community and the gaming community. Mm -hmm. And picking up on what we, what we were just discussing, I think, and we've said this before, language is so important. And when you have a platform, like if you're a famous gamer, streamer, whatever, and still refer to your chat as guys. Yes. That's gonna give me... <laughs> That's going to make me roll my eyes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, um, and I would also urge anybody who has, you know, a, a channel on, on social media on any platform and whatever content you make, uh, ask for the pronouns in your community, ask for the pronouns for people in chat. Don't just assume their gender mm. and also start that conversation. It's an important one. And I think that musicians on stages are also like that still. And, yes, they are. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that makes the 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 visibilization of female non-binaries trans people inside an audience we are not feeling addressed when you say hi guys it's like no and you're keeping and you're perpetuating this idea that metal and gaming or or wherever that you are because this also happens a lot in offices 
that yeah. you are talking to this guy, dude's club, this boy's club. And uh, it's just not, we, we really have to stop with that. And uh, I've said also this so many times, the metal community uh, thinks of itself so inclusive. And they when do. you really look at it, it's not. So we should really start addressing these points and, and talking about it openly. Yeah. That's a pretty strong start. <laughs> everything is said. Stop. Yeah. No, no, not everything is said. Right. That's the end. But yes, that's a huge that's a huge mic drop. Now you just have to like get up and turn like turn over the table. Uh no, I really like what you're saying. Um I don't know if it's of ever, any revel uh, relevance an anecdote. I remember being at my first metal festival in Germany which was the full force uh I think 2008 and um, I remember being one of the few females in our group but how this festival that was back then still in Reutschura which is in the east of Germany and they're a very typical hard style festival there's a lot of metal and hard style and um, also hardcore and uh, they have Hardstyle is the technical one, the techno one, right? Hardcore. Hardcore metal, that was the one. And <clears throat> we were camping on this huge airfield, and uh, they only had um, fences, like those see-through fences everywhere. And it took me at least two days to be very penis blind, because men tend to pee everywhere. And... Um, and on every corner, when you would walk around those things, on every corner you would see all those men lined up peeing. That's how they take up space in this in this in this whole on this whole festival. And that was the first time I experienced yeah. like firsthand, not on a small concert, but firsthand how in this scene um, there is a male dominance there, a very visible one as well. It's very funny that you mentioned this combined to the Full Force Festival because. I always count penises on festivals. You do? No, yes. you would have been. Yeah. Um, that's a drinking game. I always Woo! count how many penises I awesome. see on a festival. And <laughs> full and force would have killed you. Yes, it was at full force where I, yeah. I counted only three. What? And then I went back to my car to drive home and then I passed a fence and then that was four, five, six, seven, eight and I ended up at 30 or something. There were yeah. so many. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this realization of 17 year old nina right on her first like my husband was my 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 boyfriend back then like it was our first year of being together as a couple and we were going to this festival together and just seeing all these men without any any thought whatsoever back then about how they just feel at that comfortable in this space which is a metal festival when you then if you say i don't want to see any pieces anymore and when you then are told then you shouldn't go mm -hmm. and that is um where today i recognize a problem in the whole space of the music that i really enjoy and like that is still very persistent throughout even now and that's years later 13 years later that also reminds me of the whole topless thing. 
that is just mm-hmm. so unfair. When you're at a festival and it's 30 degrees plus and nobody cares about topless men, that just... Ugh. I don't know. <laughs> just, I don't want to see that either. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I don't either. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily. And yeah. also, um, it's just it's just so unfair how you see that uh, you know women topless are in, immediately sexualized immediately, and yeah. and men are not, and so they take that privilege to you know just enjoy the heat or whatever you know whatever excuse they want to freedom that's it freedom they're enjoying freedom (laughs) yes um hashtag freedom nipple and (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but what you were saying uh, about taking space as well reminded me of you know um animals marking their territory (laughs) this exactly this Yes, it is a thing. And that is obviously the thing, um, not only with uh, peeing, which is obviously a very literal comparison, but uh, men taking space everywhere. Mm -hmm. And yeah, how that as well uh, needs to change somehow. Especially in the music industry, it has always been, um, it's always felt like a male-dominated space. When I started listening to heavier music apart from the boy bands that I listened to when I was like 14. I think it started all with uh, the bands that my dad used to listen to, which were more like Pink Floyd, ACDC and Sissy Top. Those were some of his favorites. And um, I remember through those getting to Slipknot, Disturbed, Korn, all those back in the days, heavy players within my youth. And uh, it got even worse when I went to America for a year. Uh, That was when it all just like went bzam. And there were all those awesome bands, those American um, bands that didn't have any female leads. And the first female lead that I really saw was uh, the opera singer um, Taya, that was her name. Nightwish. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, Nightwish. She was the first one that I saw at the front of a heavy music band, but she was doing opera, which is a very female, like singing very high and those female soft notes. Um, those th- That was a whole female space within the metal community. And the first time I saw a woman at the front lead singer... Um, position in a hardcore band that was with Walls of Jericho. I think my now husband was in love with her at least a little <laughs> when we first saw her at the Magdal in Hamburg. <laughs> and uh, I was just amazed how this woman took so much space and got so much respect with her voice and her whole demeanor and the way she was interacting with the people in front of her and i think she's a power lifter uh she's very muscular and um she has an awesome voice and she's she's really cool like i really like how what an kind of an impact she had on me and that was the first time i really recognized that a female voice can be as awesome in this kind of voice range as well as a male voice can. And since then, there are so many awesome females singing in these kinds of bands and ranges of tone and bringing so much more to the whole music plate. 
but it doesn't feel like it's enough yet. Mm. Can we please have more of those? <laughs> yes. Also on the instruments, because, yeah, we know a lot of singers, but not so many instrumentalists who are female. But now that you said that, I had to think about, um, we interviewed the singer of Headphones President. It's a band from Japan. And so um, the female singer is, she's really short. But she also found a way to, to take this space on stage because she used her dress, a very long dress. And she also, when she was headbanging, she used this dress also to headbang. And that was so cool. And she got yes. all the attention. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of ways to, to take this space um, mm -hmm. also as a woman on stage. Um, and yeah, just, just do it. So if you're a woman playing in a metal band, take the space because it belongs to you at least when there yes. are five people in the band um one fifth <laughs> so there is a part that belongs <laughs> to you <laughs> yeah it is it is like at that. least and that it, part <laughs> yeah and there's um there's so many those so many um females in music generally that often get overlooked like not mm -hmm. only in metal but also in rock um there's Like one of the first bands that I got in touch with with a little heavier music was Subway to Sally, and they've always had a female uh, Violin violinist. Player. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I always thought she was so cool, and seeing her in this space of medieval rock music was something that comes back to um, being seen or being recognized in this space. It's fine to be female in this world of music. Um, is something about recognition also you're seeing yourself someone like you in a band is a big big thing mm. and um, it always feels like there's so many white dudes <laughs> it's almost refreshing to not see a white dude on a stage um, but also to see a woman with a strong demeanor who's taking up space that is not only for everything that is to be sexualized about her mm -hmm. like the whole music scene has always been about those dudes that are so cool and so true and then there's those pretty girls that are all like sexy and in tight clothes and stuff like that um it's tiring to see mm. and i think i hope that it's changing a little more i actually took like a lot of distance from the metals from the traditional metal scene um because of that because it was a lot i'm still listening to the music like no doubt i'm still going to the <laughs> concerts but i'm not as involved anymore because i already have enough of that on my plate with gaming <laughs> 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 but i have to like keep a little distance and it's refreshing to whenever uh, my husband is looking for new bands to watch uh it's always refreshing to see that there are a lot of uh yeah women taking up space in metal music it kind of changes but it's still very slow but i yeah. also remember um there are or I, i think there are more and more men also reflecting this because i read the fuse magazine that's a music magazine here in germany they published statistics of mm -hmm. um what they reported about and they said well we have a white sausage party here because most <laughs> bands <laughs> that we talk about are Yeah, white dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, I think... Uh, I like what, that. <laughs> my, um, my first thought 
today when I thought about the connection of gaming and metal also was um, in our previous episode, we talked to Dr. Anna Rogers um, and she said that also uh, women call themselves metalheads. They don't have a problem with calling themselves metalheads. But I think that there are a lot of women who have a problem with calling themselves a gamer because, mm -hmm. um, Kiki, you just said there are so many women already who play video games. And um, I think that's also because what's the definition of a gamer or of a video game? Because even if you play Bubble Shooter or Candy Crush on your phone, you are already a gamer. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I think. True, true, yeah. true. Yeah. So I want to encourage every one of you out there who listens to us and is not does not want to or didn't see herself as a gamer before. Um, yeah. Even if you play games like this, um, Microsoft just bought Bethesda and the biggest mm -hmm. part was this Candy Crush and everything. So it's a big, 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 big part in the gaming scene. Also, um, now we're at the capitalism side again. <laughs> <laughs> They also make a lot of money with this. Um, yeah. yeah, so just, you're also a gamer if you're just playing something on your mobile phone. It's, it's fine, you're, you're a gamer. <laughs> yeah, there is, no, there is no real, like if you give yourself a label, you have to know why you claim that label. Mm -hmm. And um, labeling yourself as something, as a metalhead, brings you or as a gamer brings this certain kind of tags along like twitter is just tagging us all right and they like saying hey this is your interest and this is what you're all about and this is exactly the same thing with uh, calling yourself a gamer giving you that label talking to others about being that and then having all the pros and cons aligned to that and uh, gamer is still something that is heavily or the tag gamer the, the flag the whole title is still something that is heavily influenced by um especially in the media um by very negative topics that females don't like to align themselves mm -hmm. with yeah. just as those shooters or sitting in a dark little space <laughs> just with your with your glowing uh with your glowing setup and just like being this uh very, very anti-social person um, just talking to the computer and being like raging around and being not the nice. The unreal kid. <laughs> yes, the unreal kid. <laughs> We will link it in the show notes. So if you don't know the unreal kid yet, do you know what happened to the unreal kid? He's a rapper now. He's a bodybuilder <laughs> oh, and a rapper. What? Yes. He made something of himself. <laughs> Yes, but exactly. It's like this label that comes with it, and it's very hard to um, re to to rebrand a label that has been around for a long time. But if we look at the space, if we really look into the popular media, um, looking at the people that call themselves gamers and how they perceive themselves and the space they're in, it's much more diverse than what is just officially known about gaming. Mm. It is as much of a um, prejudice that gamers are all male as it is that they're all not nice and as as it is that they're all sitting in those little spaces that are just with black screens and black computers that's not that's not the case anymore there is a lot of um very talented wonderful creative streamers and also gamers around there on very bright colored consoles and bright colored computer setups and um, not being the typical e-girl that has been sexualized by so many, but being very strong female 
and diverse representation of what a space like this can be. And they're already starting to rebrand that. Mm. And um, I see that as a very positive thing. There's always people that say nay, but there's much many more that are coming into the space, rebranding it for themselves because they think they are a gamer and they want to be seen and want to be visible. And that is a beautiful thing. And I know that it's the same in music mm -hmm. because if you call yourself a metalhead and you are not like the others and you wear bright colored t-shirts um, to festivals per se, um, as a man, you, you can are, do it. <laughs> yes, yes, you can do it. It's, it doesn't have to be that one uh, cannibal corpse shirt that is all pink and with flowers and smileys. <laughs> like, you don't have to be that <laughs> ironical, right? <laughs> um, you can just, uh, I think also uh, the hardcore scene is doing a very good job in mm -hmm. bringing more colorful uh, and diverse music into uh, the metal scene. But there are so many more things that we can do in the, for the metal scene as well by just being and being visible and claiming what we want it to be. I think um, now that you were talking about the prejudices, I think they are very similar in the, or what, what people have as prejudices um, towards metalheads. <laughs> Probably. Because yeah. there's also a lot of connection there, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot of um, old gamers that I know, like from my time, that are not also listening to metal. Like my husband is the best example. He's, he got me into hardcore music <laughs> and he's like <laughs> one of the biggest gamers ever. And he knows that there's like, there are a lot of people like him. Not all of them, but there is a stereotype to it. Mm. Yeah. So I also think that when we had this conversation with the gaming developer earlier this year or by the end Oh, no, earlier last year. <laughs> What is time? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's yes, pandemic. <laughs> What's the year? It's pandemic. So, yeah. um, he also said um, that a lot of metalheads are gamers, or that the yeah that many people who are in gaming are also into metal. So, what's your experience with this? Are there or are many of your friends who are in gaming also listening to metal? Um, there are many, not all of them though. There is a, uh, especially the younger generation is more into hard style music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was just confusing it earlier because my uh, little brother is actually one of those people. Um, it's still a, um, a hard, hardcore style of music, but it's uh, the other direction. And even there, we see that um, the experience is changing. Uh, the best example for that is... Oh, in Germany, there is this band that is right now trying to change their name, which is why I'm not going to say it since it has a uh, racist connotation, but it's the E-word callboy band. Mm -hmm. And they're making uh, this new style of hardcore slash techcore slash funny thing kind of music. I don't know if they even have a title, but I've been listening to them for years now back when they were not even playing main stage, I already saw them live. And I've been following them throughout their whole career and seeing them working together with big names in German in the German gaming scene, like um, Max, who is, <laughs> who has his own, uh, uh, who has his own like company um, in Spandau. And they are making like this whole kind of new genre out mm -hmm. of this. 
working together in their uh, produ productions and stuff like that. That is such a vast and new space. Um, yes, the music is very much part of the lifestyle of game of many gamers. Not mm. all of them, but it's this um, it's this fusion of of culture that is happening there. Mm. Yeah, I know many who are very proud of that as well. <laughs> yeah. I also remember I visited games convention that is mm -hmm. gamescom right now and uh, happening in cologne but back then it was in leipzig and there mm -hmm. were sonic syndicate playing so there were several bands playing and <laughs> at least one metal band played there <laughs> yes and the music has also been played in um several games as well mm. um there is there is a strong connection and it makes sense because even though it's a very wide thing we're still being perceived as a niche Gaming mm. gamers are still perceiving themselves as a niche and not like trying to push away also from from the mainstream. And that's the same with the music as well, right? Yeah. Um, if you if you like a hard style of music, then you know the sub scene to it, and it's the same with gamers. Mm. I would pers I I would think. As well. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> yes, I have another really really cool connection for me. Uh, personally and especially between yes. women in metal and uh, games because I I had been, before I came here, <laughs> I had been playing a lot of uh, uh, Dead by Daylight mm -hmm. and my friends still are. And uh, for those of you out there who don't know the game, it's a horror game um, where... Uh, how can I like summarize it really quickly? It's just a horror game where for people have to escape a killer and by working together, kind of. And um, though two of the new survivors are voiced by Adrian Cowan of uh, Seven Spires and Mary Zima from Helion. She's also a vocal coach, uh, or she's actually best known for her, for her Mary Z uh, YouTube channel where she... Um, makes tutorials about harsh vocals and uh, screams and grunting. And it's really, really cool. So all of a sudden to see them both uh, play characters in one of my favorite games at the moment was just so mind blowing and, and, and amazing. It's, yeah. And they did a great job on those screams of pain. <laughs> those are really, really cool. Yes, I can imagine. Um, I've, I've not been playing Dead by Daylight uh, for a really long time, but I know that the community is really strong there. And those connections to like to see those connections between your favorite mediums is just awesome, isn't it? Like, yes. it brings together the community as well. Yeah, I really like that. It's pretty awesome. I will have to oh, look yeah. her up though, because I haven't like since I'm really bad with names. Probably when I see her face, I recognize her, but <laughs> I'm just really bad with names. And I don't. I I remember the only real music game that I uh, saw was the one with Jack Black. He did this Jack Black game. That that was something where I knew that like music would be a big part, and that crossed over right into gaming with not only being like play the song on your radio while drive through driving through night city um but also having like the the main topic of metal also displayed in a game like that brutal legend brutal legend exactly written with awesome an, uh, with an U, right <laughs> yes <laughs> hell yeah um do you ever play or do you ever, ever listen to metal on your stream 
no, because they'll kick me out. <laughs> it's like, <Okay. laughs> it is this thing about VODs and um, also yeah. DMCA, copyrighted music, copyright mm -hmm. music exactly. That's why I'm not doing that anymore. There was a time when I did that, sure. Right now, when I play music, it's the music of my friend, um, Bina Bianca. She is a um, artist and singer and just a musician in general, uh, working in Germany with a whole bunch of very cool people, um, having her own project for Funk, which is like the national project on media thing from, I think it's state funded as well, like uh, from our politics, it's funded. And mm -hmm. she she's the one providing my music right now. She said, yeah, sure, go ahead, just play my music, it's fine. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. That is awesome. <laughs> That is awesome. It's really, it's really important. Yeah, it's actually yeah. Uh, really important. Uh, people who are um, or knowledgeable about the Twitch community will probably know how big of a trouble and a pain in the ass it has yes. been with the whole copyrighted music and uh, the DMCA strikes, etc., etc. But um, um, it's always good to have friends like that, and it's also <laughs> good to know that, uh, for example, uh, all trivia music will not get you a strike because all of the music that Matt Heafy does, because he's a streamer on Twitch as well, mm -hmm. is uh, free to use on um, on Twitch. And then I... <clears throat> shameless plug here. <laughs> if you want to... Uh, so um, before I do the shameless plug, there's a, yes. there's a, there's a playlist on Spotify that's mm -hmm. called Royalty Brie with a B. Royalty Brie. Uh, which is mm. Royalty Brie, yeah, which is all of Trivium's music and mm -hmm. uh, Jared Dines' music and some other uh, bands, mm -hmm. of their bands, I think, that is, uh, well, royalty-free for <laughs> streaming. Awesome. That's really good to know. Thank you. Thank yes. you. <laughs> and now the shameless plug, because you could also play this on your stream if you ever yes. wanted to. Um, my Finnish partner has a band called Leechcraft. They do deathcore, and their music is also uh, really cool. Yes. And uh, free to to stream to Twitch and such. There's even uh, a song where I sing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an acoustic yeah. to it where I did uh, guest yeah. vocals. Yes. Ooh, so I'm excited. I'll be listening to that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It, music is huge on Twitch, by the way. Right. Um, yeah. I was just uh, talking about Bina. She's not only doing that, like for the money, but also on stream. And she's making music on stream. And whenever she's stopping uh, her music stream, she's always pushing people to the next musician um, working on Twitch. And uh, I've found so many awesome mu musicians from all colors of uh, the, the music spectrum that are actually streaming um, their content on Twitch. And of course, there is a lot of gaming. So sometimes they'll just do gamer music also and that is for in my opinion a grand thing for the whole platform of twitch itself and it's good to know that there is also not only acoustic music that is being played but also uh, other kinds of music and i will look into your recommendations <laughs> yes there are all kinds of music being made on twitch and that is also a really cool way to connect with musicians uh because you know they read the chat and everything and i mean for uh musicians like matifi from trivium uh, they their chat is obviously crazy and sure. she'll never notice you and <laughs> <laughs> uh, same goes for um mike shinoda for example from mm -hmm. linkin park yes uh, even even bigger 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he's actually, I heard the other day, he's actually pretty nice and sometimes sends their viewers through the rate function on Twitch uh, to smaller uh, streamers' channels and so uh, gets the whole community thing going. Um, it was a really cool way for me, for example, to connect with the community Cody Jonestone has built around himself. He's also a metal musician from Canada who has collaborated with uh, Lindsay Schoolcraft, mm-hmm. a great friend of the podcast. Um, and that's actually how I, how I knew him. And, um, yeah, but going back <laughs> to the gaming aspect as well, yes. uh, Mike Shinoda was invited to the premiere of the netflix show that's based on league of legends called arcane Mm -hmm. and he was interviewed and was not recognized by the interviewer what that was hilarious yeah (laughs) (laughs) that is uh uh from the the premiere party thing on youtube as well it went viral because he's like yeah i i am mike shinoda from linkin park and she's like what (laughs) that was hilarious yes yes i can imagine that could not happen to me since Linkin Park has been like huge <laughs> part of my youth. <laughs> Same. Like huge, Same, huge, yeah. huge. So uh, that wouldn't happen. But yeah, there is like the um, the connections between the mediums is of course um, a thing that one has to recognize. After Henry Cavill like built his own PC on stream, then everyone knew that the gamer thing is something in popular media as well yes and it brought him so much fame also to be part of the um miniature uh tabletop scene as well and um there is no clear line and that is something that we all have to recognize as well i think just as the same as 50 almost 50 percent female perspective like in this binary space female people and diverse people in this space there is those kinds of people in our society in general and many problems that we have in our society in general is just mirrored into our spaces Hmm. just like with music it's the same with gaming it's the same with with everything basically um we find the problems that we find in society we find them in our hobbies and even though we're trying to get away from sad problems and sad contradictions we can't because where society is those problems will be and when we talk about when we have the the power to talk about those problems in our hobbies and in our free time maybe we can get the chance to change something for the life of everyone and that is something that i really think we can do especially when we sit get together and find the connections between all those um passions that people have i really like that yeah. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> that is so nice. <laughs> Those are really great final words as well for the for the end of the podcast because we've been we've been having so much fun for over ninety minutes right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> I already feel bad. I was joking about no. doing this for two hours, and now we're almost there. <laughs> Oh gosh. <laughs> so we have a traditional final question. Um, mm-hmm. So I ask both of you and also myself, um, what are you listening to right now? I've been listening to a lot of volumes. That is, again, my partner's uh, influence. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and Kill Switch Engage. Yes, that's what I've been listening to lately. Um, 
Also, also, Korn just uh, yes. dropped a new album new called, called Reykjavik, and it yeah. is really, really good. It is a classical Korn album. Yeah, it is. And it's Hell very yeah. short. True. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> it could have gone longer. But well, anyways, go ahead. <laughs> I'm listening to the new single of Windrunner right now. Windrunner is... Um, I would recommend listening to them. It's a very unfamous band from Vietnam, but since they have the new single, they changed their style a bit and um, the new stuff they released is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Also, Rollo Tomasi released a new album where Myth Becomes Memory, I think is the title, which is really cool and I was listening to a lot. And um, I also had an interview for my other podcast with the band Envisions. And so mm -hmm. I already was able to listen to their album when this podcast is out then your album deadlock will also be released and that's a pretty cool mixture of metalcore and deathcore so um, if you like stuff like that you should definitely listen to the new envisions album because yeah it's it's pretty awesome and i'm also looking forward to listening to the new the birthday massacre album Those are not on my on my spectrum of music. Um, just as with tea, it's very difficult for me to just spill out <laughs> those favorite ones. Right now, I'm actually listening to a lot of lo-fi, which is because I'm working a lot. But if I'm not working, I'm um, keeping myself occupied with... It's not very metal. It's more stones and rocks and forests and oceans music. Um, there's a lot of milkur which mm -hmm. is they started out with um, black metal and then they switched to kind of a folk thing. And uh, I enjoy them a lot, a lot, a lot. And through those, I started listening to Ivo and Heilung and uh, Badruna. Those are like my daily go-tos. Whenever I have time for myself, I listen to this kind of music a lot. And that, uh, when I'm doing the other work that I do, <laughs> it's like work for money work for the body and work for the mind and when i do my body work <laughs> i'm listening to this uh, ever-changing playlist of uh, that's called metal workout on apple music yeah. <laughs> and they always like they switch in new um songs of bands that i have never listened to before and i really enjoyed the whole the whole playlist of this guy called dixta i guess and um It always it always gives me a lot of uh, bands that I usually don't listen to, but it works for the task that I'm doing. And there is a lot of uh, Bring Me the Horizon there, uh, Volbeat, which I never like, which I had haven't heard in a lot of in a long time, and also Atreyu, and Underoath, which is like a flashback to my youth when I was 16. So that's the kind of music I'm right now occupying myself with. And there is no like special one. But the Korn album, I did listen to the whole <laughs> thing. And I really enjoyed it. And I was glad they did it. <laughs> Same. As soon as it came out, it was funny. It was midnight. I noticed it was midnight and that it had come out. And I listened to the whole thing on a loop for for a while it's really good and also now that we're talking bands and because we mentioned the full forest festival before it's lineup it's pretty it's pretty interesting i really i'm really really hopeful that all of the all of the festivals will come back slowly mm -hmm. <laughs> this yes. year already and i'm so looking forward to to go to one this year yes so Thank you for having been our guest in this podcast. Thank um, you for inviting me again. <laughs>
That's really Thank you nice. so much for your time. Yes. <laughs> and um, where can people find you on social media? Oh, you can find me as Adnina everywhere except for Snapchat, I guess. Someone stole my account there, like the name. Mm -hmm. But on every other platform, there there will be an Adnina there. Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Twitch. Please do look it up and uh, say hi and tell me that you listen to the podcast because that's like the nicest thing to know that people recognize that and follow the links and stuff. I greatly appreciate that. But those are the platforms that I'm usually to be found on. And If you're interested in sports, I even do like this little sports podcast called, it's in German, but it's called uh, Couch Tomatoes. Ah. And uh, <laughs> there's there's sport, there's sports stuff there, uh, which is really nice. But yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Okay. You can find this podcast on Instagram, Bleeding Metal Pod. And um, you can find me, Power underscore Pia, also on Instagram. Kiki, where can people find you? I am Kiki GG. 87 everywhere and i just uh, gave you a follow nina so i will be stopping <laughs> your twitch chat at some point soon nice i can i can see that like on, on my on my um little statistic things as well so i will be following you back <laughs> Thank you. Hell yes. And also talking about follows, don't forget to follow the Bleeding Metal podcast on Spotify and Stitcher. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to. We'd also be super grateful for your five-star reviews, of course. We won't accept any less. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But uh, yeah, all of those help us out. And the links to the things that we talk about here are in the description. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. And uh, yeah. Hopefully you'll you tune month. in next time. <laughs> bye, bye. 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 bye.